This week's podcast brought to you by Flowing Moomoos. You were working the other night, and I was had to feed the kids, and we didn't have anything here. The pantry was bare, so I said to the kids, uh, what do you want for dinner? I'm going to the grocery. Tell me what you want, and I'll get it. And our uh, growing like a weed, 11-year-old son said, I don't care what you get, but can you please get two? Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, this is a. Uh been a couple of weeks since last we met, and uh, I've been talking for the last 10 minutes, you and I. I think it may have been 15. 15 In minutes. the midst of telling some really good stories. Some hilarious stuff. But some I was great re- pithy commentary. And I just realized 15 minutes into it that I wasn't recording. Because you're in charge of pushing the, the button so that it stops flashing and turns a ah, solid red. So we, we just did 15 minutes of, of relatively, solid gold material. S- relatively good material, and uh and you hadn't pressed. So let's record. get back into it and try to remember what we were talking about because we're in, the, talking in the two about, weeks since yes. we've last met, our power was out for seventy-two yes. hours. The, the last time we recorded a podcast was on a Tuesday, and I think I mentioned on that podcast that I had filled our tub with water because we were expecting a storm to come through, and that's actually what happened. It was a tornado warning just through our sort of swath of Connecticut. We were right in the line of this tornado warning. So we were all in the basement, the kids, you and I, the dogs, waiting and bracing for for this tornado to come through, which is somewhat terrifying. Super windy outside. Anyway, the tornado didn't come through. The creaking of branches. Yeah, it was it was The eerie. swaying of tall trees you know, that, actually, that, that you're calculating, are they tall enough to reach our, our yeah, roof? I, I took video of it. I, if I, I will try to remember to post that um, on our Instagram account, Ball and Chain Podcast. Anyway, we did lose power for three days. Three days or longer? Three days. We lost power for three days. Which they say is the 72-hour rule where things then, the, the, the thin fabric holding society together begins to fray and fall apart. I think that's probably happened a long time ago during coronavirus. And but. unlike our, many of our neighbors have generators, whether it's whole home generators. So the second you lose power, somebody else's house is boom, you hear their generator turn on and their lights are good and whatever. And then there's some people who just have the portable generators and those are humming outside their house. Kind of like gas powered lawnmowers. Yes. They sound like. and, and we've got none of that. So a few candles, a few candles and a few uh, in, lanterns, including, including a, a Yukon cotton scented candle and a, and a 2017 uh, Basketball Hall of Fame I, induction I class candle. I didn't know we had those until you pulled that, them that, both that out. As somebody said on Twitter, it smells like success. <laughs> you were burning those and uh, for light, and we had flashlights. But because we're on well water, you cannot flush your toilet, and you cannot run your water. So we couldn't bathe. We couldn't wash dishes. Fortunately, like I said, I, that's the reason I had filled the tub, so that I could then use the new bucket that I bought every morning or in the afternoon and fill the bucket and go to each bathroom and fill the tank in the back so that we could flush the toilets. But we told the kids, if it's yellow, let it mellow. So after a while, like the house just gets a little stinky. There's no air conditioning. And we were, we would, one of us would go in the mornings to the gas station to get ice because we were trying not to lose every item of 
of whatever from our refrigerator and our freezer. Anyway, tensions were tensions were rising. Tensions were rising, and tensions had risen. Had risen, and we're lucky in that my dad lives ten minutes away, so we were able to go there and shower. And he had power, and he had power. And I was, I was, I had to like do a hoop stream show that we're doing for WNBA, so I, I did it from his house, which trying to find a, a room that didn't just look like I was sitting in like a grandpa's room and I failed. It, it was clear I was, was in there, a was grandpa there a, room. Was there a visible doily in the shop? <laughs> I'm sure I moved a doily out how of many, the way. How many Afghans were <laughs> and, um And we, I was still working as were you. So we would go there and try to charge like that. That was a big thing too, is charging devices. Um, every time we'd get in the car, like all the kids are charging devices as were we. And, but it was a hot week, and so showering too was. I at found a I found the most pleasant part of that experience, other than the occasional candlelit games of of Risk or whatever we were playing, sitting in my car in the driveway, uh, charging my phone, and listening to the radio. That was the best part when well, you were alone the, in your car. <laughs> well, I yes. I mean, it was it was certainly. Certainly challenging, and uh, but you say you say that your your dad had power, and we were able to fortunately able to bathe there. You were, yes, I took a, a, a number of showers there. Yeah, I also took a number of showers there. That number was about uh, one quarter. I would say what what that number was. The number was one, but it la- that shower lasted about thirty seconds, and that's because you told your dad. I asked my dad. I said, you know, you and I both needed. To shower, when would be a good time for you to go over and shower? And he said, well, he was going to play golf at 9.30 the next morning. So anytime after 9.15 when he left, I could come over and shower. I mean, you could have gone while he was there, but well, I, I mean, think I, everyone I, preferred yeah, that you would yeah, go while he him. was not there. And, and, yes. and, and, and in fact, I had asked him the night before if I could come over and shower. And uh, he's, uh, I said, uh, at 5 o'clock, I said, can I come over and shower anytime between now and 6.30 when we have this puppy training class down the street from your house, and he texted me back at 6.39 during puppy training and said, sure, come on over, which uh, I was unable to do, but I did the next morning. The next morning I went for a run. I was I was soaked with sweat and needed a shower, and so at 9.15, I drove over to your dad's house. Uh, we have a key to his place. I walked in. To my surprise and not delight, his alarm sounded. I didn't know his alarm code. So I punched in a series of random numbers. Didn't help, but eventually whatever I punched in stopped the alarm from ringing throughout the neighborhood, though it was ringing throughout the neighborhood. His landline rang. I answered it. It was the alarm company, an automated voice asking me to punch in the alarm code. I couldn't do it. It then asked me to verbally uh, to speak the alarm code into the phone. I tried random alarm codes. It didn't work. So I hung up, raced upstairs, stripping off as I ran up the stairs, got in the shower for about 30 seconds of cold showering, gathered up all my stuff, assuming that the police were on their way, and ran out of there with my pants held together with one hand and the belt flopping, and I'm sure the neighbors thought I was some kind of uh, a serial philanderer, jumped in the van, laid a patch in the driveway, and took off. Meanwhile, your dad tells me later that day, he's on the first tee, of the golf course, and he gets a call on his cell phone from the local police asking, is there any reason that somebody should be in his house right now? The alarm went off. And as your dad said, I totally blanked and told them, no, 
there's no reason that anybody should be in my house right now. Having just told you that it would be okay if his son-in-law showered in his house. So I beat it out of there just ahead of the police who came to his house. I mean, my, my nightmare was while I was showering, somebody would strip away the shower curtain, psycho style, with guns drawn, and I'd be arrested, perp walked out of there naked, dripping wet uh, for breaking and, breaking and showering. Right. Well, I got the phone call, too, because I'm listed on my dad's um, with his alarm company. And it also was an automated message. And that's the first time it's been like that. And in the past, the, the phone call would be from a live human being. Um, they called my cell phone because our home phone, of course, wasn't working because the power was out. And um, and yeah, so when my dad said, like, he said that to the police, but see, if that had happened to me, I would probably just sat on the front steps if I knew the cops were coming and just waited for them and explained the situation. Like, why were you acting like a guilty person when you weren't guilty of anything? That's what I've been doing my whole life. Are you like, kidding? Clearly. I mean, it's just Sneaking like, snacks as a kid? Well, you still sneak snacks. Right. But, uh... But anyway, our power now, gloriously, it was one day, it was right before I was heading to ESPN for work, our power came back on, and I was actually outside with the dogs. I walked in, and I heard this chirping, and I realized it was our alarm chirping because it needed to be reset. And uh, and then I, I listened, and there was this slow, like, you know, low hum that showed me the air conditioning when it was on, and it was just like this huge weight was taken off and out of my body, the stress you have. When, uh, but it wasn't so bad from power. from 7 a.m. till sundown. It wasn't so bad. It was it was the overnight. It was hot. Yeah. And obviously dark at night. And you know, and and, and having all the, and having the windows open to get some sort of a breeze at night, you realize all the sounds and everything that's going on outside your windows. You know, in the middle of the night that you in don't. In fact, one of the nights notice. the kids slept in a tent. Yeah, actually, they slept in the tent before oh, before we had lost power. Yeah, they no longer wanted to after we had had power. The good thing about them being in the tent, though, no, that's, they, that's they what they, made us. When we lost power, they set up the tent in, in our the house. house. Yeah, <laughs> that's what the good thing was. They had the lanterns and the flashlights and stuff already um, readily available because they had used those when they'd been camping. But I am glad the power is back on. Ever in the people in, in our area will understand this. Other people will not. But the other thing that was just so rich about the whole situation is that Eversource, our local electrical company, had raised the rates by 50% in the previous billing cycle. So most people, like the day before they lost power for four days, saw their bill go up by 50%. <laughs> Poor timing, to say the least, by um, Eversource, which used to be CLNP. They changed their name after the last storm where we lost power for 10 days. So... We're wondering what they're going to change their name to this time around. And, but you, you, I don't think you, did you go to work during the power outage? Certainly after you've been. I went to, I was finishing putting on my makeup to go to ESPN when the power came on. So I went in that afternoon to call a basketball game. Now, now was was this the makeup that you had obtained illegally on the black market of uh, uh, the makeup? Uh, no, this was not. So make up dark web. <laughs> I, you know, I, I am not like Holly Rowe. Holly Rowe has bags full of makeup. Like she enjoys going makeup shopping. That is not something I enjoy. I don't enjoy going makeup shopping, mostly because I don't know what the heck to get. I don't know what I'm supposed to wear. I have this like little palette that when I'm on TV, I can do myself. 
But it, it, and normally when I go to ESPN to studio, they've got the hair and makeup people there and they just, you know, do such a good job. And um, I can't, they're not there now because of everything that's going on with COVID-19, the pandemic. And I got in touch with one of the women who does my makeup at ESPN. I texted her and I said, listen, would you be willing to shop for some makeup for me just so I have like my own home starter kit for when I have to call these games? So she was more than happy to do that. And yes, so one of the days recently when I was going to ESPN, she and I met in a Popeye's parking lot just off the highway so that she could hand me my bag of makeup. It was totally... Was it in a brown paper sack? It looked sort of like that. It was like this illicit exchange because it was in the morning too, so Popeye's wasn't even open. So we're the only two cars in the Popeye's parking lot. I didn't hand her an envelope of cash because I'd already Venmoed her but uh, to pay her for the makeup, but yeah. And then there's this like little paper inside. That was she wearing a trench coat with the makeup hanging on the inside <laughs> lining of the... And she'd written down on a piece of paper, like kind of how, which colors go where and stuff kind of, and it, it, again, like a drug deal, like you don't mix this with this, but it's okay to mix this with this and you want it to be in this ratio. So, uh, so anyway, at least, at least I have now a, a, you know, good, uh, a sack of good makeup. <laughs> you came home and, and freebased some mascara as That's, I recall. Yeah, I think I would have been freebasing the, um, the finishing powder. You mentioned puppy training. I talked about being outside with the dogs when the power came back on. This is a good time for our puppy update. And uh, the pup date. The pup date. Kasha's doing great. Jesse's doing great. They're both doing great. I, I'm sleeping. You and I are sleeping through the night. I'm, I am back in the bed. The dog makes the puppy's crate is in our bedroom, makes it through the night. She's had in the total of, I think we've had her for five weeks, only that one isolated accident. She's a delight, and uh, and our older dog is enjoying her for the most part. Although our son, yesterday I was at ESPN calling games, and our son sent me a video, a video he took of the puppy's mouth where she had lost a tooth. He he uh, he was fascinated by that. But and um, that reminds I've had, me that the kids were arguing the other day. I don't know if you were there, and one of them threatened to hack the other's ear off and leave it under their pillow for the ear fairy. <laughs> Oh, really? Yes. That's what happened while I was gone? They've been watching Goodfellas or something. They lately, threatened anyway. to hack the other one's ear yes. off. Well, I'm glad they're leaving it. Which which kid would have gotten the money from the ear fairy? The one who lost the ear or the well, one who hacked it off? It was the youngest who suggested uh, that the leaving it under the pillow for the ear fairy. There's so many levels of disturbing about what you just said. Um, but I've had a couple people, one of them being my sister and the other maybe being her husband, who said how how sort of surprised they are at how you've sort of taken to the puppy in a way that you didn't right away with our with our adult dog. Me? Yeah. Oh. How you've like, you seem to be like loving this puppy. I, I don't know whether to say, oh, I've, I've loved the older dog just as much as the younger one, or whether to say, really? Me? I've taken to the puppy? <laughs> or it may have been even one of our children, our older children, who's um, been pleasantly surprised that you don't hate the puppy. <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't hate, I don't hate. I know, hate's too strong yeah. of a word, but that you actually like seem to be enjoying her. That, it, that it's not just you've your willingness to have her in the house, which is what it is with the, has felt like with the older dog, you're willing to have her in the house, but that you're in some ways you're even enjoying Having this puppy is are they are they way off? Or are you speak, actually speaking, enjoying it? Am I, I I don't remember. Am I speaking under oath when on this podcast? <laughs> no. Oh, then then sure. I'm, I'm loving it. You you like her enough, don't you? Oh, I, I I as I've said repeatedly. 
to you and the kids, I love all creatures, living <laughs> beings, but I just don't feel like we're required to house them all. Nor are we asking you to, but it feels like you, you're, you're growing to love and, and enjoy our puppy. And, and maybe you're not, but it just feels like you are. I, I, I enjoy our older dog as well. I've, I thought you were saying I enjoy our older daughter as well. I enjoy <laughs> many of our kids frequently. But um, I, I manifest that love by feeding them, shoveling up their poop, carrying it around in a bag like some French king's courtier in 1472. I don't know. So I think I think just because I'm not constantly going Gucci Gucci goo on their little chin or whatever, that that doesn't mean that I, I I'm not my love is made manifest by by my actions. Well, you talk about carrying the the poop bag around. I often just think of like. If I could step outside of the picture that I'm living in right now, what do I look like? So early in the morning when I'm outside and I've got the shovel and I've picked up the poop from the front yard and I'm about to throw it in the woods and like somebody walks by or drives by and they're looking in at me like with holding a leash in one hand and a shovel full of poop in the other, all disheveled, still in my pajamas, like what in the name? Like what does that look like as they're looking at me and, and I just have to laugh because eh, this is what my life is right now and it could have been during like you know when we didn't have any power and uh and things were even at the next level of messy but um it's like it it's it should be a statue atop some supreme court courthouse somewhere you six four woman in a flowing mumu holding the scales of justice but one is a bag of dog poop <laughs> and the other is a spade i love that you have me in a flowing moo <laughs> flowing moo in this picture <laughs> that used I think, to be i think we have today is brought to you by right <laughs> that used to be the thing that would crack me up too because i'd be coming from this whirlwind of parenting and, and there'd be all kinds of crazy things going on in the house and you know the, the house is a mess and you need to grocery shop and things are just just crazy. And I'd get in the car and 45 minutes later, I'd be sitting in the makeup chair at ESPN being treated like a princess. <laughs> and the uh, the two ends of the spectrum of, uh, of my existence. But now I have to, I no longer get treated like the princess. I have to use my illicitly purchased makeup, do my own, <laughs> drive to Bristol, put my mask on and, uh, and walk into studio. When am I going to get treated like a princess? <laughs> I'm happy to do your makeup if you'd like. I've got some good power, like, powder to get rid of the shine on your you'd forehead. Like, you, you've, you've got a gallon of concealer to, to hide my face. Yeah. It, what's been funny, too, is, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the WNBA season is in full swing. It somehow is already halfway over because it's only 22-game season and some teams have played 11 games already. And uh, to go from zero to 100 so quickly because – not only have we been calling these games, but often every time we've been in there, it's been two games, and sometimes it's been back-to-back -back games. So you're calling four games sometimes in the span of less than 48 hours <laughs> and preparing for those games because normally it would be, all right, you know, I've got a week. I'm going to prepare to call two different teams. You know, I'm going to fly out to Seattle and call, I don't know, LA, LA at Seattle. Well, instead it's been... I've got to prepare for eight different teams and eight different coaches. And there was one day last week where my head was spinning. I think we were out of power. 
And I had to, I was talking to seven of the eight coaches on that day preparing for the weekend's games. And um, we were talking about this yesterday, how, how we're so enjoying being back to work and so enjoying watching these WNBA games and calling these WNBA games. But at the head, same time, your head is spinning. Sometimes it's like, I saw, I, I've driven to the studio, I'll sit down and I'll have my, my folders with all my prep in it. And I'll be like, okay, which two teams are, are about to tip off in an hour? Because I just simply don't remember. <laughs> My head is spinning so well, The much. good thing is whatever two teams they are, you've probably done their one of their games oh, in the yeah. previous 48 hours. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing is we've I've called every single – all 12 teams I've called them, um, many of them multiple times. I've watched them all. I've watched almost every game that's been played this season. But sometimes there's so much going on in such a short period of time that your head is just revolving constantly. And uh, our our veteran listeners uh, who have come to know Holly Rowe, didn't you and Ryan <clears throat> send her a care package? She's uh, been in the in the bubble for weeks now, yeah. with, with she, many weeks to go. She's been there just about as long as the players have, and I don't know how many weeks that is, but it's a long time. And, and when you're inside, like Holly is, you're not allowed to leave. Like, you take a bus ride. The games are actually can, not— Can you check out any time you like? <laughs> <laughs> the games are not being played at IMG. They're being played in a soundstage. That's like a 25-minute ride away. So one of the coaches was ex- was describing to us how you get on the bus, and you, as you're driving for those 25 minutes to the soundstage where the, the, the courts have been built, you see like the normal world and people living normal lives. They're going to stores. It's There's like a people prison out bus. And, yes. And then you play your games. You're back on the bus, and you're back at IMG. And so that's the same life Holly is living. Um and so there was a certain point, which was about within a week, about a week ago, where you could just feel tensions running high. I think with everybody that was in the bubble, whether it was coaches or players, but Holly too, like you just hit a wall. And that's what she said. She kind of hit a wall. And so I had gotten in touch with Ryan Rucco and said, you know, let's send her something because it's clear that she needs it. So we sent her. Well, she's living in a science fiction novel. Oh, totally. I mean, she's because of COVID-19, the pandemic, the pandemic. she's living in a bubble, yes. but not just a bubble, a a bubble that that is basketball, not just basketball centric, but entirely oh. about basketball. Yeah. And like and players have their I, teammates. I mean, imagine even that concept. I know. Uh, January 1st of this year. Right. Would it make any sense to anybody? Right. It, it's just so crazy. So anyway, we'd sent her um, like just things to relax. I'd sent her some bath bombs, um, vegan organic bath bombs. And then this oil that was supposed to be like some sort of a calming oil. Well, of course, it was just water with some scent in it. But it's a calming oil and and Ryan um, had his you know a friend of his who happens to be a very good sommelier send her a case of wine so I sent her some wine glasses and um, but it didn't all arrive the same day so she was probably wondering you know guys thanks so much for the wine glasses but what do I put in it the the bath bomb and the wine glass (laughs) This this has made my my uh, stay even sadder, and she she probably filled it with water and put the bath bomb in it into the wine glass right. and had a <laughs> had a that's how she got bombed that yes, night exactly. Um, but uh, but in typical Holly fashion, I think she has since um, since receiving the wine. I think she was like throwing a party for the for the trainers and the support staff and all the people with the teams who are working their butts off. Um, I think she's doing something nice to show appreciation to them. But, um, oh, but yeah, I mean, 
I give her a lot of credit. That cannot be an easy mental, not only a physical thing to do, but a mental thing to do. And she's uh, <laughs> she's not even halfway through, and, and, and she's doing it well. Okay, we've got a lot of viewer mail that has piled up. Uh, since Did, are you sure you pressed the, uh, the button the to record? record button? I'm pretty sure I have. Okay. If well, not, uh, this will be lost to history. So it's time then to go to? Viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. And uh, the first viewer mail that goes to ballandchainpod at gmail.com is from, well, it's from Mrs. John, parentheses Marianne, last name, uh, initial is R. I like that. Miss, you remember it was like everything was like you would be, you would have been Mrs. Steve Russian. Remember that? I do remember that. I, I mean, you, I, you don't remember not in our, not in our lifetime, me, but like but our, our parents. No, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that confused you? It didn't confuse me. That's not the right word. I, I, I always did wonder, like, what's the point? I what? mean, like letters to the editor are always signed, you know. Right, I'm, I'm no longer me. I'm now Mrs. Somebody. Well, anyway, this anyway. is from Marianne. Uh, and Marianne writes, my husband and I, presumably John, John. Uh, listen faithfully to your podcast. Thank you. And he's disappointed when it can't be downloaded on those rare Wednesday evenings that your schedule's alter the recording sessions, as with last week. We've one question about the throwing of your dog's poop bags across the street so it lands next to the curb. You ready for this, Rebecca? I'm ready for it. We've never heard of it. We should have, we probably should have explicated this earlier. We, well, no, this is not the question. Okay. We've never heard of a town, city, or borough that goes along cleaning up the curbs of dogs' poop bags. Is this throwing competitive action done by most citizens in your area who own dogs? And if so, are there many bags of poop out there each day? We're also curious if this action cut back on dog owners who do not clean up after their pets, an unpleasant reality in Toledo, Ohio. We're fortunate that each home to that, that each home to have city-supplied garbage containers picked up weekly that sit outside of our home, and when bags are, are knotted firmly, rarely have much of an odor when placed there. Thanks again for your podcast. They're most entertaining, though my husband listens to them in two parts, Wednesday p.m. and again on Thursday when he's fully awake. So, I think it's better to listen to them when you're not fully awake <laughs> the same way that we record them. Well, so... In our telling, her understanding was that we, when we, we, throw when, when we pick up the, the poop bag, we throw it across to the other curb. To a neighbor's curb. And just leave the it there until the town comes and picks it up. <laughs> I love that that could even Image. be considered. That we not can only, live not, in a place not only we do it, Not only do we do it, but all of our neighbors it. do it. And, and our, our curbsides do you think are that would littered be with, with, with uh, four-day-old baking bags of dog poop would that be the first thing to go in and uh, like in these times when all all, all towns City are services? having a, when a, we don't a, have a, a post office anymore crisis yeah you still <laughs> but, but, so let's 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 describe this a little bit better because clearly we did not describe it well and understandably if i weren't a dog owner i'd be curious to know right. what exactly was going on here so when we're on the outward portion of our walk it's usually we take, an, it's what 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 marathon runners know as an out and back we yes. started our house we go out Onto a certain course, and we come back. Come and back. End yeah, again we don't house. do a circle. We don't do a square. We go it's, out. It's not a point to point like the Boston Marathon. Right. We go That's out an- and then return. And so, when we're on the outbound portion, if the dog does her business, we put it in the bag and we throw it to the other curb because then, when we're returning and on the other side of the street, we can just easily pick up the bag, bring it back to our house, put it in our trash. So it can go. Now, Now, if the dog does her business on our return part, we don't do the, the toss because then we're not going to be able to pick it up. But um, that's how it all started because when we walk, we walk facing traffic. So we're on the left side of the road. And then we can toss it over. And then on our return, we can pick it but up. But I like this experiment of leaving like- multicolored 
bags of dog poo because sometimes it's purple, sometimes right. it's green, sometimes it's yellow. You, and now all I'm the, picturing the in my brain because some towns do have those those things with the circular brushes that clean street cleaners. Yeah, the street cleaners, street sweepers that that do like the corners where. But the they curve don't do is. them on a daily basis. But how they do great them, like, would it be if you year. had one of those that just sucked up the bags of poop? That would be amazing. But we don't, so we do actually pick it up. We're responsible. We pick it up and then we throw it away in our trash. And and so does everybody else. I don't. I, you seldom see an unclaimed. You know, but bag. most people don't leave them. Most people just put them, just carry them the whole way. I've not seen other people. Well, then why leave are they? Why are they? Why are they, why are they vividly it? colored bags? That's a good question. I don't know because we have some that are recyclable and they're green. And I don't like the green ones because sometimes if you like leave it in your grass for a minute, it's harder to find. That's probably the reason. Well, um, Michael, who is our correspondent in the Dominican Republic, writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, greetings from Tokyo. He's in Tokyo now. Last well, time he was in the States. He's, he's, he's clearly a fugitive from the law. Well, maybe he'd set off the alarm trying to shower. Possibly. Anyway, um, good for him. Greetings from Tokyo. I hope this finds you both well. Two weeks ago, I completed a long-awaited move from the Dominican Republic to Japan, where I will be teaching pre-kindergarten in Tokyo. Well, awesome. Wow. Exciting uh, adventure. This guy lives a life, huh? He does, man. Much, much, uh, much further life than mine. In my jet-lagged and face-masked meanderings throughout the, my new neighborhood, I came across this quaint shop. And here's etched glass, uh, the monocle shop, accessories, stationery, clothing, interiors, gifts, music, fragrance, magazines, luggage, prints. The monocle shop. Excited at the possibilities, I went into the store and in my very best Japanese asked, Sumimasen, monocles wa arimasu ka? Excuse me, but do you sell monocles? To which they quickly replied in their very best English, no. <laughs> Even though it's the monocle shop? The monocle shop. Oh, well, it was worth a try. Please keep happy and healthy. I remain, Michael. Um, best to you, Michael. I remain healthy. I think you probably have a better chance. How many la- Michael, let us know how many languages you speak. I mean, if you can go into a monocle shop and inquire about the uh, the, the availability of monocles in Tokyo, that alone, I mean, you've lived a life. Well, if he's in the Dominican Republic, he's been speaking Spanish. He clearly speaks English. I'm curious. How uh, but I'm many guessing I'm guessing he never once went into a Santo shop? Domingo monocle shop and inquired in Spanish as to the uh, various styles of monocles but available there. I bet he could. That's perhaps. The point. Uh, the next uh, viewer mail comes in from uh, our uh, friend and neighbor, Ken, who writes, uh, Stephen Rebecca, having a, no more vans for me is the headline, okay? Okay. Not a headline. It's the header of the email. What do you call that? Do you think it means minivans or the van sneakers that the kids well, wear uh, on skateboarding? I'm guessing it's the former, but let's find out. All right, let's find out. I'm wearing a Vans t-shirt right now. You are. Only because, what does it say on the back? Can you read it? The original Vans made to last since 19... 19- 66. And, and I was made to last since 1966. So I'm a rebel just for kicks. I've been doing it since 1966. What song is that? I forget the name of it. Okay. But it's recent. Uh, Stephen Rebecca writes, Ken, having a family of six like you, you may recall watching us drive down the road with his and her blue and red minivans. They were literally twin minivans because the VIN numbers were two digits apart. Well, the VIN, the, the vehicle identification numbers, Ken writes. I said the VIN numbers, but that's redundant. The N in VIN is, is the numbers, so forgive right. me. Uh, that was two of our five minivans that we had during our child-rearing years. Thankfully, now that three of our f- four children are driving, I'm now driving a Toyota Camry, like I did prior to having children. Interesting, he, he went back to the, uh, the pre-children vehicle. 
not sure I'm going to get the Mini that I had prior to having children. Yeah, I don't think I'll get the uh, Chevy Blazer. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of years ago, we practically pushed our fifth minivan worth a whole $200 into the car dealer to trade it in for my wife's Jeep Wrangler. Rose dreamed of having a Wrangler for over 20 years. She proudly waves to fellow Wrangler drivers on the road now, even when she's driving the Camry. That's uh, the Jeep wave when you're driving the Camry. We'll get yes. you some odd looks. Yes. The minivan served us well during our child-rearing years, but so glad to have downsized. Thanks, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Um, you still have the, the, the dream alive of getting a Jeep at some point, don't you? I do. Yes. I, I, when I was in high school, I wanted a Jeep Wrangler. When I was in college, I, this is uh, when, uh, when our basketball season ended, my senior year, we won the national championship. I was no longer bound by NCAA rules. And uh, my senior year, we wore Reebok sneakers. And the first kind of deal to come my way is Reebok wanted to sign me to a contract. And um, I got an agent, and I remember he brought me the the first offer that they had to sign me. And he said, what do you think? And I said, sounds good to me. I think I could buy myself a Jeep, finally get myself a Jeep Wrangler. And he started laughing, and he said, well, I think we might be able to get a little bit more. <laughs> but that was my response. I can buy myself a Jeep Wrangler. And, and whereas an NBA player who signs a similar contract wants to get a Jeep Wrangler with a small W, somebody to wrangle right. all of his Jeeps. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so yes, that that dream is alive someday that uh, I'll be Jeep waving with uh, Ken, or with Rose, Rose and, and, and others. Camry. Yes, um, uh, Denise, our resident birder in Glastonbury, writes um, about bird funerals. Oh, yeah, yes. This could go either way. Yes. Let's see. Uh, hello, Rebecca and Steve. I'm happy to say I finally got power and water back. Congratulations. And now finally, internet and phone and some minimal cell service as well. So I was just able to listen to the latest podcast. Unfortunately, I missed the entire week of WNBA games. I could not find any being broadcast on my emergency weather radio. <laughs> you got to get on that, Rebecca. I Rebecca, know. could you take this up with ESPN, writes Denise. Birds do die, alas. Most of them have very short lifespans, and of course, there are a lot of perils for a small avian, mainly cats. So I thank you, Steve, and your son for memorializing the little bird which passed away in your yard. That's wonderful to hear. Yes. Uh, not that the birds have short lifespans and, and often die at the uh, at the claws of cats, but that... But that your poems went was, appreciated. Was um, so many of them die unremarked that I am grateful this one was acknowledged with poetry, even in jest. Well, I think there was a lot of sincerity behind the behind the poetry. I hope that all of your family and the dogs in your yard survived the storm with minimal damage. They did. Thank you. I'm still picking up sticks and branches here. Your resident birder, Denise. Thank you, Denise. We mostly had that sort of uh, small branches, debris, yeah. leaves. But at the end of our street, uh, a tree had fallen in the yard across the, across the street. Um, into the and, other neighborhood. And yeah, so, uh, I mean, it wasn't uh, no damage. And obviously, there were enough trees down on power lines that um, that everybody lost power pretty much in the state. Well, the, the ode to the bird reminds me that yesterday when I was in studio, I think you were out for a run, and our nine-year-old texted me and said, Kasha, the puppy, the, f the four-month-old puppy, she said, Kasha just ate a mole. I tried to get it out of her mouth. I touched it but I couldn't get it out. Um, I've washed my hands. What do I need to do? Is she going to be okay? <laughs> so I then, not knowing, I assumed she was going to be okay. I had to get in touch with our vet and said, you know, this is while I'm working and said, 
you know, the puppy swallowed a mole. And she said, I said, I think our older dog got it and left it for her. And she said, oh, that makes sense. You know, she'll be fine, whatever. But uh, <laughs> well, I was I was on a 30 minute run. And in the middle of it, I got with my phone and I got a, a text from our youngest. And it was a, a selfie video of her recounting the incident with the mole and her frantic call to you and, and all that other stuff. And which I she had touched it. Uh, and, nothing uh, I could do about it. I was three miles from home, but um, but anyway. Anyway. We've got a good, uh, a really good batch of, of your mail this week. Did you, you need to come up with um, an ode to the mole. I know, I know you didn't have to fling it in the woods because it was in our well, dog's uh, belly for a short period of time. It certainly can have a rhyming couplet with a vole because we have plenty of those in our yard That's as well. And, and, and for all we know, the mole was a vole. It could have been. Uh, and it lives in a hole. This is going to be a Dr. Seuss-like um, mm, Sounds code, like it. Okay, next viewer mail. Uh, um, Sean, parentheses, and Diana, in in Bow, New Hampshire, write, uh, Stephen, Rebecca, I can't be the first one to suggest calling puzzles with missing pieces Le- Leroy Browns, can I? That, that, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. I'll leave you to parse that one out, Rebecca. Okay. Bad, you? bad Leroy Brown. Bad, bad Leroy Brown. Baddest man in the whole thing. Look, his uh, mouth looked like a, a puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. Ah, Remember? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, perfect. But from now on, they're Leroy Browns, they of are. course. And all yeah. of our puzzles are Leroy Browns. Like Steve, I've been known to sneak a couple of M&Ms, writes Sean, parentheses, and Diana, uh, at breakfast. Though for me, it's combined with a banana because I love the taste of chocolate and banana, and I don't feel guilty eating the M&M since I'm eating the banana along with it, and a cup of coffee with this mixture is delightful. I literally take a bite of banana and add a couple of M&Ms at the same time. Delicious. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? Well, I'm sure at some point he's been at an amusement park or somewhere where you can get the frozen banana that has the chocolate. It's dipped in chocolate and frozen. It's delicious. Sure. Yes, the combination is Uh, phenomenal. Yeah, a frozen banana, of course. Yeah. My wife and I refer to this, what he just described as, mullet food. Business in the front, party in the back. (laughs) I mean, these guys have really talent for for new terms. uh, They're they're eating mullet food while doing their Leroy Brown puzzles. uh, It's truly fun to think of all the mullet foods we eat. Yogurt with M&Ms or Oreo cookie crumbs. World-class mullet food. Vegetables with dip. The dip tastes great, but you feel better with a healthy vegetable as the delivery vehicle. That, that's a, a, exactly what it is. It's, it's uh, as my, my uh, friend who went to uh, West Point, uh, Mark Beach, has always described it as, as um, you know, the, whatever, the, the vegetable, the, the bell pepper, whatever, is just the delivery system to shovel the... The dip in, That obviously. was a beachism? I didn't know uh, that yeah, originated yeah. with beach. Uh, we would not qualify chips and dip, but I'm guessing Steve would attempt to make the case that onion dip is a vegetable. You can also, I, yeah, I, I would. I mean, it has onion in the, in the, in the very title. I mean, I, when we were came, coming down here, one of our children was eating um, guac on a chip. You, you can also reverse it and go with chips and hummus, where the delivery vehicle is the less healthy portion. Gummy bear vitamins, a huge step up from Flintstone chewables, but the concept is the same. I'm sure every family has their own versions of hashtag mullet food. <laughs> Below is a recipe for homemade granola bars that my wife lovingly calls mullet bars. A lot of healthy stuff, but a little party in there too. It's not an original recipe found on bobsredmill.com via Pinterest, but we add our own fun items and make it a little different each time. They're fantastic. Note some of the items will test your knowledge of the stop and shop or other grocery, or other grocery store. Thanks for keeping us entertained every week, especially during this pandemic. You're doing a fantastic job and is appreciated. Stay healthy. Thank you, Sean, parentheses, and Diana. You do the same. And here is the recipe for mullet bars. Rebecca, will you will you promise to post that? 
Oh, yeah. I'll pr- okay. I promise to post and, it. And, and speaking of mullet bars, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, Dan DeWert in Milwaukee has now twice sent me uh, pictures as recently as this Sunday and also a couple of weeks ago. He's made blueberry buckle for the second time. It is so beloved by his... Irma's? His, his Irma's Irma's blueberry recipe? Buckle, yeah. His, awesome. It's a huge hit in Milwaukee. And uh, he sent me a picture. He was listening to Gordon Lightfoot and making... Um, and the Carpenters and making Blueberry Buckle. And uh, so I think Milwaukee has become the the buckle of the Blueberry Buckle belt, if, I, if, if you will. If you will. If you will, even if you won't. Okay, Deb writes, Dear Tall Man and Bacon Matron. Ooh. Now that is a hell of a 1970s buddy detective show, isn't mm-hmm, it? For tall sure. Tall Man and Bacon Matron? Yep. Let's get on that. Okay. Does anybody know uh, Aaron Spelling or, or the ghost of Quinn Martin? Perhaps w- Pete and Pacific Palisades would know. Uh, would it be the ghost of Aaron Spelling? Is Aaron Spelling No, 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 still? the ghost of Quinn no, Martin. No, I'm saying, is Aaron Spelling still alive? That's oh, my I'm question. I'm sure he is. Uh, is he not? I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's, let's, let's pause and Google. Aaron Spelling passed away in 2006. Uh, he would be 97 now, had he not. So we'll, we'll contact Quinn Martin, a Quinn Martin production, Streets of San Francisco. To get Tall Man and Bacon Matron in production. Ready, Rebecca? Uh, I missed writing uh, last week. Yes, says, Tall Man, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, how, do we, how do we know which one is which? <laughs> uh, I missed writing last week, so I believe it was two weeks ago, writes Deb, when you talked about squeaking sneakers and bouncing balls in reference to the WNBA games without a crowd. I love, all caps, the sound of squeaking sneakers and bouncing balls. They're probably my favorite sounds and one of my oldest memories. I remember the feeling of excitement and anticipation upon entering a school and hearing the distant sounds of balls on a basketball court and shoes squeaking while making my way to the gym. And this is now me, Steve, speaking. I also love circling, trying to find the entrance to a to a high school gym you've never been to before yeah. or a grade school gym you've never been to before and even finding where the gym might be located in that school because in some Catholic schools it's there's no roof line distinction. Right. And, but then you can hear the distant sound of, of basketballs in the, in the thump, thumping in the whistle and the sneaker squeak. Yeah. And, uh, and then you open the, the doors and it's like uh, like a, an oven, you yeah. know, the, the air rushing out. Um, I'm considering taking Rebecca's advice and changing my name to Deb with two D's or changing my name to Lori or L-O-R-E-E or Lori, L-O-R-E-I-G-H as to fit in with all the other Lori's who write into the pod. I was both shocked and pleasantly surprised, writes Deb, when I received some more swag in the mail. Thanks for spelling Deb with two B's on the envelope. See attached photo. And, Does uh, that mean t- you accidentally sent her extra swag? No, no, no. She asked. She, sent, she sent in photos of her... Of her uh, game-worn swag her her coasters had been uh, had been coasted into oblivion mm-hmm. with coffee stains and whatnot so i sent sent a couple more and uh take care comma deb d d e b capital d small d d d e b yes uh p.s right deb i loved it when you were calling the links game and you said rebecca that you talked to your husband like cheryl talks to the refs randy Randy. She really had it out for the ref named Randy during that game, she says. In subsequent games, when I've heard like one of the coaches just, you know, talking to Randy, all I can hear is Cheryl Reeve in my head. Randy. Randy. (laughs) Those poor refs are quarantined, too. Jim writes, "Um, I can't believe you let your children sleep out in the backyard with all the bear sightings in Simsbury and Granby. Bears don't want to eat kids. Jim, not only we we, we <laughs> sent them out with uh, with an open Slathered jar of peanut butter. butter. Exactly. Peanut butter, yeah. <laughs> you guys sleeping in the peanut butter suit, uh, sleeping bag tonight? Okay, good. Uh, Jill writes, hello, I was listening to the last podcast. This is Jill in Arizona. I was listening to the last podcast, Parakeets and Pet Tricks. 
God bless you, Danny. That was a good title, don't you think? <laughs> it was a great title. I was listening to the last podcast, Parakeets and Petrix, and my ears perked up when I heard the viewer mail from Myra, your resident librarian, about the archaeological dig. Uh, archaeologists prefer the word excavation to dig as we do controlled work and not just random digging, writes Jill, uh, that she did for her Minnesota Kicks t-shirt and kazoo. As your resident archaeologist, of course, I must weigh in and make sure that this excavation was completed properly and per federal and state laws. First, I'm curious if Myra is aware of and obtained a permit to conduct her excavation. Secondly, did she conduct proper consultation with other interested parties or stakeholders, members of her family that may have an interest in the material remains that she discovered? Now for the excavation procedural stuff. How did she conduct the excavation? Did she do STPs, shovel test pits, in her exploration of the area to determine, to determine the site's potential to answer her question, whether the items were in that pile or not? Or did she lay out a unit, one by one, two by two, three by three, etc., or do a trench? Did she use arbitrary levels, 10 to 20 centimeters, or natural levels based on breaks in stratigraphy in terms of color, size, or other characteristics? Stratigraphy. Do you think it's stratigraphy or stratigraphy, like calligraphy? I don't know, but I'm still stuck on shovel test pits because shovel that's test what STP. you and our son do yes. to see if your shirt is clean or yes, not. Yes, we, 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 we test our pits. The, of, of the shirt. We do yes. STP sniffing test pits, yes. yes. Uh, once she started to find items, did she properly record the items she found in their level within her excavation unit to ensure proper context and provenance? Provenience, she writes. Is that a word? Provenience, do you suppose? It must be. She's the archaeological expert. Now that she has found these items, she must assess them for their National Register of Historic Properties, NRHP, eligibility under criterion A, B, C, or D. Are they older than 50 years? If not, this is a moot point, and they would not be eligible. I like to. I like knowing that I would be eligible for that uh, property as being over 50 that, years. I like, just something that we don't really ever spend our time thinking about because we're not archaeologists like the the protocols and the procedures that she's describing, and, and, and this is what she lives every day, and, it, and it's, it's fascinating. And it makes me, it, it, like, it continues to make me want to be an archaeologist. I wonder if, if I could go on a, uh, you know, a, a training course. Um, ever since, and we've read it to our kids over and over too. Um, busy Richard Scarry's busy busy world and there's uh, the, the uh, dig I think is his name the archaeological the archaeologist in, in Egypt who's digging up you know King Tut tomb kind of things uh, uh, it's been fascinating to me ever since I was a kid and you see you see on TV you know they take out the little brushes and you brush away the remains of something at Pompeii and it's it's fascinating yeah and I, I, I understand everything is not Pompeii or King right. Tut's I, but I, I'm just enjoying listening to you read this email because there's so many people who do so many things that you don't think about very much and they're all super interesting when you have a chance to get a glimpse into it so keep going and well th thank you Jill that's uh, it's it's uh, fascinating and she she ends her email by saying she brings all this up to show you give you that very insight into what uh, what a formal archaeological excavation for a Minnesota Kicks T-shirt would consist of. And like today, you know, our kids we have to uh, to do some school uniform shopping, which is such a farce because I'm going to spend money on all these uniforms that they will inevitably wear for I don't know a couple weeks before things go back to virtual learning. But do I have? But in order to make room for these things, I told all the kids, all right, you have to go through your drawers, get rid of stuff that you don't wear that doesn't fit anymore. Should I have gone through all of these protocols first before just having them take stuff out of their drawers? Next time, maybe. We'll leave that. Uh, much as uh, we will leave our endless clutter here for our, our kids to clean up when we predecease them, um, we will leave 
their own massive amounts of clothes and stuff for other archaeologists to dig up I don't know to excavate you, I don't know if you were with me for some reason I don't think you were but years and years and years ago I was at a Sunday mass and our priest um, I think his entire homily was just saying that his uh, a, re- a relative of his I think it may have been his mother had just passed away and that he had spent all weekend at her house going through all of her stuff and he said um, to all of the older people out here I in was my there. congregation I was there, yes. please get rid of all your don't stuff don't do this to your don't kids don't do this to your kids that was his homily don't do this to your kids and it, that has rung in my ears ever since as we sit in our basement that is is it would it would make hoarders look like uh, look like Marie Kondo down here that's not true but i get your point no yes Get rid of your stuff. Don't leave it for your kids. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I struck a nerve there. On, I, on that no, are no, we no, on no, that? No, no, no we're yeah, not on that. Note. We've got a couple more emails, <laughs> but I, I okay. like I like that you're trying to kick us both out of here. <laughs> I'm done with. Here's your hand. I'm What's your hurry? You a couple more. We owe it basement. to the people who have taken the don't, time to compose fascinating viewer mails. Uh, <laughs> this basement is. Uh, I, I would say it's seen better days, but has it really? <laughs> I don't know. What's okay. the next viewer mail? And and with just an A and two N's. It's kind of refreshing. Just A-N-N? Yeah, A-N-N. Anne writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, caught up on several podcasts lately and as usual enjoyed the conversations. I usually listen while cleaning slash doing dishes and they're great to get me to clean more so I can listen more. Well, to our point. Come to our basement. Perhaps we should, exactly. You can hear us do it live (laughs) while, uh, while cleaning. Regarding the recent discussion on sugar packets, which led to sugar cubes and do they still exist? I saw them at Ocean State Job Lot here in New Jersey. Well, of if, course, if there's going to find them anywhere, somewhere. Ocean State Job Lot, uh, a regular, a regular on our on our itinerary. I like Ocean State Job Lot. You are not necessarily no, the no. I, fan. I love Ocean State Job Lot. There's one in your hometown, and we visit it frequently. Uh, my guess is mostly for cocktails, the sugar cubes. I know they're used in Irish coffees, yes, and champagne cocktails. Ah, uh, okay. Um, great hearing Rebecca call games again. Anne from NJ, who is trying to think what she would like to be a resident something of. I mean, I think, I think. She, she could be our resident Ocean State job lot shopper. Our, our Russian, resident oceans or, 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 or our, our, our champagne cocktail, uh, ah. uh, what, mixologist? Yeah. Like she probably that. doesn't drink those, but, but. She might not even make them, but I mean, maybe she, maybe she would. Come and clean our basement and make us a champagne cocktail. Well, I, I think that would be rude <laughs> That's of us. Too much to ask. But, she, but anyway, she attached a picture of Domino sugar cubes from Ocean State Job Lot, and uh, and I, I will now think of her as Champagne Anne. Uh, both in the Champagne Room. <laughs> champagne Anne. No, Champagne Anne in the Garden State, but uh, but of the Ocean State. Uh, okay. Thank you, Anne. And as soon as you think what you want to be a resident of, let us know, uh, Chris. In Cheshire, corresponding from Cape Cod, sends a lovely email. He's still reading The Pint Man. Thank you. And uh, But his mother-in-law, Barb, the South Windsor Puzzler, announced that he had made it into the last week's episode for a viewer mail. And it got him wondering what he could be a resident of. Oh, his wife suggested you'll be the resident something before you know it. This came after I told her a few days ago, even though I'm a history teacher, my shot at being resident educator and historian were long gone. They are indeed. We yes, have we filled taken. those spots. And they are they are uh, a lifetime and even I think post lifetime uh, uh, posts right nobody oh, yes. else can fill those correct uh, Steve has the market cornered on resident f- 
teller of dad jokes, I was too old and too late to be resident kid listener. She laughed seemingly because my aspirations to hold a resident position were as lofty as ankle socks. However, to credit my wife, she hit a she had hit upon it. Therefore, I respectfully submit my application, Rebecca, to be the Ball and Chain's resident, Ball and Chain podcast resident something or other. <laughs> I can be a Johnny on the spot, jack of all trades listener, a super fan of sorts. I've been following you both since my teens in the mid-90s, and as I prepare to go back, that's that's better than saying he's been following us both since, since the mid-teens in his mid-90s. Uh, as I prepare to go back to school and teach this fall, attaining such a seemingly superfluous station life would provide me with mountains of mirth. I thank you both for your consideration. I also apologize for my grammar issues. Um, regards and best wishes for so speedy power restoration. our resident. Something or other. A sort of, a sort of catch-all, I think. Yes. For, uh, I don't know why. And yes, he, I, I he gave you our resident he, something he is, or other. He is that. I, I, I think of him as, as our phone a friend. If, when we need a generalist, when it's, it's, not, it's not an issue about... about home heating it's not an issue about uh, avian issues it's not archaeological uh, but 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 maybe he has a surface knowledge of a lot of things we can call on uh, chris and cheshire yes chris our, and cheshire our resident our, something or other yes that i don't know i hope what, that will become his email signature i don't know why that made me think of this but um when i was at my dad's house when the power was out taping an episode of hoop streams Chinea Gumake is also on that. And she had just moved out of the team issue departments to her own apartment. And she was waiting for internet to come and her TV to get hooked up. And anyway, she let me know, let us know about an app called TaskRabbit. It's essentially a handyman app. Like if you need this fixed or that fixed or this hookup or that hooked up, you go on this app, and the next thing you know, like she said, it only took her a couple of days. Somebody came in to, to put her TV up. Somebody came in to attach it. Somebody came in to fix this. Somebody came in to fix that. And I said, well, this is basically going to put husbands out of business. Like, what's the point of even getting married if there's a task rabbit where you can all those little things you can just use the app to get done? Like, there's a dead bird. I don't need you to fling it into the woods. I can just go on task rabbit or... The filters need to be changed. I'll go on TaskRabbit. Will Will TaskRabbit offer up witty badinage at the dinner table? I wonder if there's if you can put that in the search engine. I need into the little magnifying glass, or whatever. Witty badinage, and next thing you know, <laughs> if so, I'm there's screwed. some guy at your door for some witty badinage. So this will become TaskRabbit and Bacon Matron. Is is will will become <laughs> the, the detective new podcast. series. Uh, yes. For Pete's sake. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, lastly, let's 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 uh, let's let's uh, clean up here with our resident cleanup hitter, Dr. Gary Siegel, who writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve, as I, as I sat in the on-call room last Saturday afternoon, a few minutes after a newborn girl had been born uneventfully, well, uneventfully for you, perhaps, Dr. Yes. Siegel, and I'm glad certainly to eventful hear it. for for everyone, the mother, else father, and the baby, and the baby. <laughs> but like everything else, it's another day at the office, right? Right." So I, I do love that. That's a very sports writerly. He he's his he'll be a sports writer in another life because you can be at um, game seven of the World Series and something unbelievable happens and the guy next to you slams his fist into the table and uh, it has you know he has to rewrite you know the story right. that he's already right. been preparing to file. So uh, as I sat in the on call room last Saturday afternoon, a few minutes after a newborn girl had been born uneventfully. Uh, I turned on the TV and began to channel surf. Though, in fairness, if you're delivering babies uneventful, it's got to be the best right, way to do course. it. Right, of course. Just as with a pilot. Uh, 
I turned on the TV and began to channel surf. I flipped from one ESPN channel, which in the morning had televised Formula One qualifying from England, Silverstone, to ABC, where the Phoenix at Seattle WNBA game was being played. Your humble correspondent, a college basketball fan, UNC Chapel Hill, 1978, made three observations. One, the fundamental, the fundamental nature of the way in which the WNBA game is played makes it great to watch. Rebecca, can you elucidate I, that? I agree. What, what is the fundamental nature of the, of the way in which the WNBA game is played? There's less isolation. There's less one-on-one. There's less dunking, of course, because the women play mostly below the rim. But there's a lot more passing, cutting, moving than you might see in some systems in the NBA. Where where a lot of the isolation is just is, is one guy two incredibly a guy tedious. with the ball on one side of the floor either pick and roll on the other side they're just spacing out so the guy can dr- drive both physically in, and mentally drive yeah, drive in and kick or drive in and finish where the women there there is more going on in terms of movement and spacing. Well, this is a three pronged email from so let's get to the okay. second fork of the trident here. Two Holly Rowe is not as tall as the players that she interviews, but she packs a wallop in those interviews. I love that the first half of that second observation of Dr. Siegel's is that Holly is not as tall as the players that she interviews. Yes, it, it's no, taken years of, of viewership to uh, <laughs> right. to nail that one down. Right, and what's this? What? But 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 it's less noticeable, I think, now that Holly is like seventeen S- feet from the players that she's interviewing right. with a long boom mic. And she between. knows how to do the perspective, so she's closer to the camera than they are, so she looks a little taller. Uh, three, the broadcast featured a very familiar voice adeptly analyzing the game. Did I hear the lady from the podcast? Not unlike the observations of eight and ten year old viewers. Was yes. that you? Was that a game you were doing? I was doing that game. Yes, that's the game that Diana Taurasi. Injured her back, but by the way, returned yesterday. We were all surprised and excited. She's back and playing well. Yes. Uh, To be sure to give the Russian family equal billing, concludes Dr. Siegel. Siegel, Knights in White Castle is sitting nearby for me to read as well. With warm regards, Gary. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I I appreciate that. And uh, I think... I don't know if we... I mean, he's Dr. Siegel. I don't know that word. Well, he signs it Gary. I know, but... With two R's. I just don't feel right calling him Gary. I think he's how do you Dr. Feel, how do you feel about, to us. You, you also call coaches coach. I'm not, that's, I don't, that's not, not all I don't love them. that. The ones that I, I have a lot of respect for. Well, no, but it, I it, call them coach. Yes. And the ones you don't respect, you call by their first name. You don't think they've figured this one out by now. Well, it's a little bit weird. Like somebody who's more my contemporary, somebody who's my age and who I knew when they were playing, oh, I'd I understand be more that. likely I, I to still call them yeah. by their first name versus coach. But like, especially. People who like Coach Ram, I'll never ever be able to call him anything other than. Do you know who Coach hates Ram. being called Coach? Who? Baseball managers, and it, when they are called Coach, they recoil in horror because, because they used to be a coach and now no, they're no, a no, manager? because they're they're managers, and and so the the proper honorific in baseball is Skip, short for Skipper. I'm not making this up. That's so dumb. Well, it's all dumb. So is Coach, as Judge, Doctor. Those aren't dumb. Those are those are. I mean. It's calling somebody by their occupation. Coach, yes, writer. Yeah, I suppose. But anyway, with warm regards, concludes Dr. Siegel. Unless you just call, like if I'm walking around ESPN, instead of calling me Rebecca, it should be, hey, talent. That Well, that's that's the most uh, nauseating the most and, and absurd thing. Which is why I said it. Well, it's why you said it, and it's, it's, and it's, it's a TV thing, and, and so nauseatingly. Appropriate. I think, especially for writers, I bet it just gets. It doesn't at all. It, not not, not in the that, least that bit. We, we dare it's the, to, it's the to kind be of, called. It's talent. the kind of thing that uh, that I, so I love. I love that it exists because it's so absurd. It's so absurd. Yeah. On that note. On that note. Now, now here are some true artists, some real talent. Oh. Tom. Dick. Harry. Harry. It's Harry Please. to me. Play us out. 
says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.